Hello everyone, I'm Mike Browning. This is Let God Speak. Whether we are rich and powerful or poor and weak, we are all flawed human beings. Know it or not, like it or not, we all need a saviour. So how will God get through to our stubborn hearts? Well, that is the subject of our discussion today. Well, folks, on our panel today, we have Stephen Groom. Thank you for coming, Stephen, and Casey Verkerker. And thank you once again, Casey, for coming. We really appreciate your input. We'd like to invite everybody to join with us in prayer before we open the scripture. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord God, that we can share together from the scripture again today its message um, to the great and the powerful, as well as to the humble and each one of us. So may your spirit guide us today as we share together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, in Jesus' day, if you were rich and powerful, Stephen, people thought you had a ringside seat in heaven, right? That you had the best seats. Um, Understandable. And even today, some people believe that God has a selected group to be saved and a selected group not to be saved. How do you feel about that? Well, let's get the answer from the Bible, shall we? Let's yes, please. Let's God speak to us. And for that, I would like to go to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter mm-hmm. 2 and verses 3 and 4, verse 3 to get the context. Yeah. Um, but the answer is no, first of all, but the text will tell us why. Mm-hmm. Verse 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. So the subject there is God. Yes. God who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, um, in verse four, the word men there seems biased towards the masculine gender, doesn't it? However, the Greek word there is anthropos, and therefore the modern versions um, have changed that. For instance, the New Revised Standard Version has everyone to be saved, Mm -hmm. and... NIV has all people to be saved. So Humanity to be saved. Yes, so it, it, anthropos means everybody. It's not biased okay. towards any gender. Okay, so everybody's included in that, right? Everybody is invited to have salvation. God desires all human beings to be saved. It's a very important point. Look, I want to go um, to 1 John chapter 2 for a moment, the first letter of John, chapter 2, and verse 2, um, which says this, and it's similar lines, He himself, that's Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. He's provided the the atonement for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What do you think about that, Casey? Yeah, well, it's interesting. We we read before that God wanted us to be saved, so mm-hmm. all people, so he had that desire for it. But now we see from this verse that he's actually made provision for everyone to be saved. And yeah, emphasizing the whole world. So it's not any one particular people group, it's everyone he has made provision for. Okay, well, now there's another question follows on from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen, um, the obvious question being, If that's the case, will the whole human race then automatically be saved? No, that's going to the other extreme, isn't it? Mm. So God, Jesus' death on the cross um, does not give unconditional salvation to all people, Mm. but it gives, it grants uh, probationary time for all people 
um, to have the opportunity to mm. be saved. So they have the choice, don't okay, they? So we still um, have the choice. That's the important mm. point, isn't it? They have to accept Jesus mm. um, as their Lord and Saviour. However, if people don't accept Jesus, obviously during this probationary time, mm. then they're not going to be saved. So it's up to them. That's why in John 3.16, it mm. says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that ever received him may have, there's that indefinite, right. may have mm. eternal life. So the choice is theirs. Mm. Okay, so the provision was complete. Yeah. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross um, covered every human being who would ever live. But still, the they have to do something to receive response that has to be made. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Can't just take God for granted here. Mm. And Joshua twenty four fifteen says, "Choose ye this day who you will serve." Right. So there's that appeal in the Bible to do that. It's yes. a biblical principle that yeah. we choose, and mm. God never takes that right away from us, which is very helpful to know. Um, now, look, some people are harder to reach with the message of salvation than others. I think we're all aware of that. The rich and powerful who are the major subject of our discussion today, um, they can be very difficult to reach. Other people too, who have got their heads cluttered with other ideas of their own. Um, how does God get through to people who are hard to reach like that? Mm. It's a good question. I mean, usually he actually works through other people. So people yes. who are followers of God, who have an exemplary character, he'll put them in contact with these people so that mm -hmm. they can see something different. Yeah. And the other thing that's absolutely critical is for the Holy Spirit to be working on the person's heart. Um, as yeah. human beings, we can do nothing without the influence of the Holy Spirit. So um, yeah, exemplary people, the Holy Spirit. But then the other one that God often uses, especially for people who are you know, powerful or maybe in a place where they don't get much exposure to understanding God, mm -hmm. is actually um, doing uh, miraculous things for them. And we can have a look at an example of that in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, Daniel chapter 4 and verse uh, 30 and 31. This is the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And um, it says here that the king uh, spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. Okay. So this was a miraculous voice coming to him, yes. giving a dramatic message. That and was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And God was trying to get through to him through this scenario. And then after that, there was something that happened to him. Just when he thought he was at the pinnacle of his life. Yes. Aren't I fantastic? Then down he goes. That's it. And goes mad for seven years. That's right. And I mean, that's really drastic treatment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But that, that has a purpose. The purpose is to there humble is. him. To yes. bring him back in line to salvation. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Obviously, the only way he can be reached. Um, and there are other examples of the lengths that God is prepared to go to reach the powerful and the mm. rich and, and the famous and people who are normally hard to reach. And Naaman is a classic example of that. Mm. And um, I'm going to read from Second Kings chapter five and uh, verse one because. This just outlines the story of this interesting man. Second, Second Kings, just a minute, I find this. Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. This is the story of Naaman, who was um, a man from Syria, commander of the king's army. He was a, he was a rich and powerful man. Mm. And so verse, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 begins this way. It says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, 
was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, the king, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. That was an interesting thought on its own. Mm. He was also a mighty man of valor, but, and this is it's always a but there, a leper. This man was a leper. So God has got to reach this man. How does mm. he reach this man, Casey? Yeah, well, in a very interesting way, and we can unpack the details of it. Um, let's have a look at the next couple of verses in um, yeah, verses two and three of the same chapter. And it says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And so it's very interesting what's going on here. God has a, a person in mm. coming in contact with him who is a representative. A yeah. yeah, he's yeah. working through that um, to help this person make a connection with someone who can connect mm. them to God. Uh, but the other thing that's very interesting here is God worked on this man's heart through a real need. And in this case, it was a health need. You know, he, yeah. this was his weakest point. Mm. And so he wanted help for this. And God had, has the ability to bring help and healing yes. for it. And so this was a way to reach this man's heart. And so he makes the long distance ride down to Samaria from, uh, from Syria, which is a tremendous thing when you think about it. He's a desperate man. People mm. with a leprosy, yeah. a desperate situation. Um, so Stephen, um, what does Elisha do when this, this Syrian arrives at his doorstep? Yes. And um, for that answer, we have to go to verse 10 of the same chapter. Mm -hmm. And it says, Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come again to you and you shall be clean. Verse 11 tells, him his, tells us his response, though. And it says, um, but Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover um, his leprosy. Um, so this shows a bit of arrogance mm. of the man. Mm. He's, and and it, this is reflected. His pride was mm. quite affected by this. He wasn't happy about that. And this is reflected in verse 13, where it says that surely... Uh, Ab Abana and Farpar, which are rivers from his hometown in Damascus, are better than these. So he's got a bit of pride there for his mm. nationality. Um, fortunately, his counselors, his servants, were able to um, persuade him to follow through. Otherwise, he might not have been cured of this leprosy. No, but a common mm. sense was yeah. brought to the picture, wasn't it? Mm. Which was really interesting that they did that. Um, it is a fact, by the way, isn't it? If you've been to Israel, the Jordan River is a muddy old river. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and I expect true. it was then too. And so I believe that he was actually correct yeah. in, in saying that his rivers were better than, mm. than yeah, the nice rivers. fresh water and clean. But yeah. look at this. Yeah. Okay, so he That's didn't get true. the point, but he was going to. And God <laughs> was very patient with him. Um, we missed out actually on a verse in Daniel. I noticed um, Stephen yes. the effect that it had on Nebuchadnezzar um, when he came to himself, shall we say. Yes. And turned his heart to God. Yes. And, and it's, it was an amazing response that he, that he gave. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, because he now praises God. Mm. You know, he praised God. What a change. Uh, he's a, a changed man. He's born again. Yeah. And in the light of this topic, 
what better witness for God can you have than someone actually praising the Lord? Mm, no, it, was, it, it, it attracts remarkable. people to him, which is yeah. what God wants. Okay, so Naaman, Naaman goes and gets himself. Um, he gets healed. Mm. He goes into the, he jumps into the, into the deep. Did we read, read verse um, 14, did we or we not? We can read that. Not, uh, Casey, would you? Yeah, read? I can read that for you. So it says um, uh, in verse 14, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Amazing. God totally healed him. (laughs) It's just amazing. This was a huge deal back in those days because leprosy was like incurable. It was like a death sentence. You're just a slow death. Um, But this this was huge, what God did. It was a type of sin, isn't it? Mm. That shows you how bad it is. That's right. It's used as an illustration of sin. Yeah, no, good one. Um, So God did do this thing despite his arrogance. Mm. Well, it 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 had a desired effect. He responded, didn't he? Um, to this in verse 15, it says, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Mm. Acknowledged Yahweh, the true God, Mm. which was fantastic, just like Nebuchadnezzar did. Yes. But God had to do drastic things, which surely tells us that if a person's heart, if God sees a person's heart is ready for salvation, he's prepared to do whatever it takes Mm. to get through to them. And while you don't often see incredible things like this happen, there's a lot of things that do happen people just don't know about. Mm. And uh, God is working in everybody's heart. Look, Second Kings, Kings, while we're there in chapter 5 and verse 18, Naaman makes a most unusual request, doesn't he? Mm. And and, um, he goes and he talks to Elisha and he says, basically he says, look, I've got a problem. He says, verse 18, in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimon, one of the you know, pagan gods, to worship there, and he leans on my hand. So he used to accompany the king, mm. and he leans on my hand. So presumably the king's a bit infirm and needs his assistance there in the temple to Rimon. And um, where are we? Oh, yes. And I bow down. He leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord, that's God, please pardon your servant in this mm. thing. Um, that's really interesting. What do you think about that, Stephen? That's an unusual request, isn't it? Well, God leads people where they are. He mm. leads them on step by step, yeah. you know. And so um, in Acts 17.30, the mm. Bible said God winks at our ignorance. So he has to take us where we are and lead us on step by step, okay. which is obviously the case here. Yes. And um, so he's, God is very forgiving and he's patient with us and especially new believers. We mm. also have to be patient with new believers. I think that's the point here for us, isn't mm. it? To yes. be patient with people yeah. mm. and take them step by step. We can't yeah. expect an overnight reformation 100%. You know? That's right. People need time. And they are going to grow. People won't stay there. They can't no. stay there, but give them time. That's a really good point. Thanks for that, Stephen. Um, did we finish that, the scriptures on that? Mm. Yes, we did. Thank you for that. Look, perhaps the hardest people to reach are religious and educated people hmm. who are inclined to think they probably know it all. Yes. Um, so these people can be very difficult to reach. Um, and I just want to look at us to look at the way Jesus ministered to such a person, Nicodemus, mm. religious man, leader of the people, educated, uh, respected and honoured. So he had all of, all of the uh, right things happening for him, but he had an empty heart. Spiritually in the heart, he was empty. His head was full, heart was empty. Um, Chapter 3 of John, 
because Nicodemus comes to see Jesus. He knows there's something not right in his life. Um, So you've got to give him a plus for that. And this is what he does. Chapter three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Um, And I'm going to ask you, Casey, what do you think of the approach he makes in the next verse? Chapter three, verse two. Mm -hmm. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Mm. So what do you think of that? Well, he's talking to the creator of the universe in human flesh he here. That, he missed that point. He missed that point, And yeah. it's, it comes across as a bit condescending, really, because mm. he's saying, well, you're a teacher. Yes, you must be from God because you're doing these amazing things. Right. But he is not in his heart at that point of really acknowledging and, and okay. or at least not willing to even say openly to Jesus that he mm. wants to acknowledge his divinity and no, his mission. So... It's interesting start to the connection. It is a bit. (laughs) Um, So how does Jesus respond to that, Stephen? I I love Jesus' response because it shows Jesus is a person straight to the point. Hmm. And I'm a bit like that Mm -hmm. and straightforward. He seems to ignore um, Nicodemus's introduction to him. He does. And he comes straight to the point. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, Um, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he comes straight to the point with Mm. Nicodemus's need. No beating around the bush, as we say here. Hmm. Um, Jesus could see that Nicodemus needed the Holy Spirit in his life. He was a leader without the leading of God. Hmm. Um, So he was empty spiritually. He needed a spiritual rebirth. And Jesus told him so. and it's, an, it's something we all need at all times, isn't it? Okay. No, thank you. It is indeed. Yeah. But um, after that, he was a changed man. He was, but he was very slow about it. Um, did he change everything in his life overnight? That's the question. Mm, definitely not. It's interesting that the Bible gives us a little bit of insight into the progress of this man's journey uh, in John chapter 7, verses 50 and 51. And uh, this evidently is... Uh, something that happened at a meeting with other priests and Mm -hmm. Pharisees. Um, And Nicodemus, uh, it says, he who came to Jesus by night being one of them, um, said to them, does our Lord judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? And so this was where they were trying to find a way to catch Jesus out. And um, Nicodemus is is actually standing up for Jesus, but in a very... uh, careful way yes, by just tactful. bringing, yeah, mm-hmm. bringing um, the people's attention back to their law yeah. um, just to try and protect Jesus and also help the priest yeah. to do the right thing, I guess. That was good. It's interesting because Nicodemus appears later in the Gospel of John mm. 2 in chapter 19 and verse 39. Um, similar introduction to Nicodemus here. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bring a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight to anoint Jesus' death, his body after his death. So is this the same timid man? <laughs> well, no, because he's coming out in uh, publicly in support of Jesus now, which mm-hmm. um, through the opposition that Jesus had received from the Jews, they'd killed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a dangerous act really to mm-hmm. show support of Jesus at any time because mm-hmm. they were still against him. Um, So he recognizes the tragedy that has just occurred. The Jewish nation has murdered their own Messiah. Nicodemus had recognized that. So he's going to support Jesus now 
as best he can yes, to be a witness. Interesting. Because Jesus is dead now, but it's, he's so incensed that such a terrible and, and so he's showing an act of boldness here. And yeah. boldness is a gift of the Holy Spirit, which, which Jesus had yeah. said he needed. And he obviously had that to do that act. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for that. Now, talking about the rich and powerful for a moment, mm. um, most people would love to be rich and powerful. But what did Jesus say about riches, Casey? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. He has some Mm. very fascinating things to say Uh, in Matthew 19 and verse 23 and 24. um, It says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Interesting okay. expression there. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know there's, I think, different ways to interpret this verse, but either way, um, it comes out that it's almost impossible <laughs> because yes. how can this kind of thing work? Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. And it does say, though, in verse 26, um, it gives us some hope. It says, um, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Wow, it's a good thing that Jesus said that. <laughs> yeah, it is. But a that's so true, thing. isn't it? Yeah. You know, God can, well, look at Nicodemus. Mm. Um, sorry, not Nicodemus, Naaman and, mm. um, and who was the other chap we were talking about back there? Daniel. Daniel. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, that's, that's the it. one. Yep. Um, I mean, God got through to these very stubborn, proud, arrogant men. Yeah. Um, so God can get through. Mm. And we'll it's a it different takes. case now. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It is a different It's way. interesting because mm-hmm. I think God, um, part of the way he reaches these people is um, through their need. Yeah. Um, but it can be hard for them, people who are rich or powerful, to actually feel the need. And it also can be hard for us to, people who are reaching out to them, yes. to recognize their need and minister in okay, that Okay, and it's going to take a miracle. Yeah. That's the point I mm. think that we're seeing here. Um, now, Jesus... Had, some, these, had said these things after a fascinating interview with a rich young leader of the people who did feel his need, which is interesting. Um, in Matthew chapter 19, still in verse 16, um, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, sounds much like Nicodemus' mm. approach, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? This was his question. He knew something was missing. So what did Jesus do to help him see what his problem was there, Stephen? Or in Matthew, um, in verse 21, sorry, Mm -hmm. um, Jesus points out the problem in this man's life. Mm. Um, Jesus said to him, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Mm. So Jesus doesn't ask everybody to do that. But this was obviously the problem with this man. He was obviously covetous. Yeah, Um, it's a simple solution to his problem. Exactly. Did he obey that? No, verse 22 said Mm. that the young man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. The problem wasn't with his possessions, but the fact that he preferred those over salvation or or believing in Jesus. Mm. Okay, so how do you feel about what he did there, Casey? Yeah, well, I think that um, it highlights another challenge that Mm. people who are rich can have, and that is the your possessions and and your wealth, money, whatever it is, can actually become a bit of an encumbrance to Mm -hmm. you progressing in spiritual life. So um, you may have a desire to 
to go in a certain direction. Like he obviously had a desire. He wanted yeah. something about it, you know, to further his, his salvation experience. But his actual um, wealth was actually a hindrance to him. It was, it was an encumbrance. Yeah, it was no, getting in true. the way. Yeah, That's true. Um, we need to talk about why he was so conflicted. Um, knew what he ought to do yeah. and then went away sorrowful. Mm. So he had the... He was obviously attracted to the idea of eternal life. I mean, mm. this has revealed the fact that he yeah. came to Jesus and asked him the question. He was mm. willing to dialogue and spend time away from his work or mm. whatever he was doing. But the problem was what Jesus pointed out the problem in his life, which was his love of money, his mm. covetousness and the possessions he yeah. loved more than Jesus. Mm. This was revealed in his response that uh, has already been pointed out. He went away sorrowful, yep. mm. not obeying Jesus' request. How sad. It's, yeah, it's very to sad. To choose the things of this world over um, possessions. Mm. So that's always the, the choice we have to make. It is, it is. Now, we're going to have to move along pretty quickly here now. Um, he wasn't the only rich person who had to choose between money and Jesus. Mm. And I, there's another one in Luke 19. I'm in John here. Luke 19 and verse 1, um, which says... Where are we here? Luke 19, 1, and we'll read verse 1 and 2. When Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And notice what it says next. Hmm. He was rich. Mm. He had a lot <laughs> of money. And he sees Jesus there. Um, what did Zacchaeus do with the invitation to salvation? Mm. Um, Casey, just in brief on this. Yeah, he responded openly. You can read it in verse eight and nine of the same chapter. He mm. said, Lord, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. If anyone has um, taken, if he's taken anything from anyone, um, he's going to restore it. And Jesus acknowledged that he had received salvation because his heart was just totally open to yes. everything that Jesus So different from the yeah. rich young ruler. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm impressed with Zacchaeus. Mm. This man's got a changed heart. Look, um, some of the rich and powerful were convinced that um, Jesus was the Messiah after a time. Mm. Didn't get it to start with. Very cautious, watching to see what was going to happen. And then suddenly um, they realized that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And in Matthew 27, it talks about um, Joseph of Arimathea here, who came out of the woodwork, so to speak, after Jesus' death, went mm. to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus, and, and uh, laid him in his own tomb when nobody had been put before. Mm. Joseph was a rich man. He had a tomb of his own, you know, carved out of the rock. A very big thing indeed. Um, how important was this act? Just finishing up here quickly. Okay, so, um, yeah, laying it in the tomb. Well, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. If you go to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, speaking of the suffering servant, it says he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in mm. his death. Okay, so he actually fulfilled prophecy by fulfilled prophecy. doing that, yeah. which was a fantastic thing to do. So at the last minute, he comes forward mm. and he makes it clear, like Nicodemus, mm. that he stands. So people can be reached. Mm. Yes. That's the point that we're making. Um, and we need to be praying for these people. God can do amazing things mm. if we ask him. Well, folks, we've got to finish there. It is true that rich and influential people often seem indifferent to the gospel. However, the story of Nicodemus and others that we've seen show another side to this. Many are quietly desperate for spiritual fulfillment. So keep on letting your light shine. That's the point. Well, we've appreciated your company today on Let God Speak. 
All our past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.